0: This is Tectonic, a weekly talk show revolving around the seismic shifts in technology, culture, and the digital age. This is episode 10.3. I am Joe Darnell, and with me is a very special friend, Jacob Lamont. Welcome back to Tectonic. Well, thank you. How are you doing, Jacob?
1: I am doing fantastically.
0: Now, why are you in the place again of my regular co-host, Joshua Pfeiffer? Do you know why?
1: Uh, Because... He was at a Hardee's?
0: Regularly scheduled program. He was he was going to be here a few hours ago, and then at the last minute, something came up.
1: Yeah, work, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, it was pretty much, as the stars didn't align. Poor Joshua had work responsibilities. You know, he's got to take care of the Air Force Base and all that.
1: Pesky, pesky thing called work.
0: That's the story, anyway. With us, Jacob, is Mr. Sean Blanc. How are you doing?
1: Hey, guys. Doing very
0: well. Welcome to Tectonic. Thanks. Happy to be here you know I think you, you probably have a few more podcasts under your belt than I do I have maybe 200 250 what are you thinking Sean you you have well over 500 at this point
2: uh, I'm I'm probably yeah close to 700 I've got a weekly or daily podcast that I do called Sean a day yeah so that's kind of cheating <laughs> uh, and then I used to be on a show the bnB podcast I've been a guest on several other episodes as well so yeah I think I'm at like 650 with my my Shana day episodes Mm. And then plus 50 or 100 somewhere else here or there.
0: Now, some of our listeners probably are familiar with you, Sean, because I'm sure if they're reading our website, they're familiar with some of the circle of the tech writers and also the creative muggles out there, the people who care about productivity and the arts refinement, basically a holistic lifestyle and workload and project management approach to, you know, do things diligently and with high quality and performance. You've been really one of these, I don't want to say experts, but very mindful types. Who's been writing, an excellent photographer, an excellent reviewer of great products like mechanical keyboards and photo cameras. I like your websites too. You know, you have the tools and toys website. What else do we have? The Sweet setup? Mm-hmm. Now, these are all you're doing, and you got a great crew, you, like you were telling me a minute ago. But don't be modest, Sean. I, I want to say that like y- your your brand comes through loud and clear. I really have a lot of respect for what you've done. Thank you. Really appreciate that. What, what would you say is your favorite line of work? Do you prefer the photography or the writing, or do you like the creative leadership, working with a great team? What, what's your favorite?
2: Oh, man, I don't know. I think it all is kind of built on a foundation of writing. And that's primarily what I do. I quit my job. I used to be a creative director for a large Christian ministry here in Kansas City. So I did that for several years. And my wife and I got pregnant and we were getting ready to get pregnant. And I was like, I don't I don't want to start a family like doing this job. I kind of want to start my own thing. And the short of it is I was like, I really want to start a, a business. One I can work from home. I think it'd be really great. And I kind of wanted to to be willing to take a risk. And, you know, as a dad and I'm gonna have kids, I wanted to be able to lead by example and and wanting them to be able to take risks down the road in, in 20 and 30 years from now. And so it just seemed like the timing was right. So I had to say, you know, I quit my job and started blogging for a living. And that was in 2011. So everything I've kind of built since then has really been on this foundation of writing. So I guess you could say that is my quote unquote favorite. But mm. I love, absolutely love working with the team. Really great guys. Like I said earlier, there's uh, about five guys that work for me between Tools and Toys and the suite setup and they're all extremely talented. We uh, get along really, really well. They all do absolutely incredible work. So I really enjoy working with them and the creative back and forth we have, and we're working on stuff and working on the next review or the next guide or whatever it may be. And we've got some other projects that are kind of in the in the pipe right now behind the scenes
0: that we're going to be launching in the next couple of months. Mm.
2: The photography is sort of like a hobby, but I don't
0: take photos every single day yeah I haven't seen like any coffee table books you know for sale
2: right I'm not there yet I did I did do something fun last winter was I had a bunch of kind of holiday Christmas winter themed photos I put them all together in as like an iPhone iPad Mac uh, you know PC sort of wallpaper pack. And that was kind of cool and uh you know, it was like two bucks or something like that. And I, I, I sold a few hundred of them and that was kinda of fun. I was like, eh, maybe I maybe I'll do this again. I don't know. Oh. So it's it's definitely fun to, to put the photography stuff out there, but like the thing that I do every single day is write. And and so that's kind of the the foundation for me. That's that's what I, I itch like on Monday morning when the weekend is over. I'm I've got a you know, I'm I'm looking forward to to sitting down at the keyboard and doing some writing. I really enjoy just sharing that stuff and things like that. So
0: now i've often wondered concerning writing if 50 percent of the job is reading you know because i i don't consider myself a full-time writer or even a part-time writer at this point but i really enjoy writing and i've written for a couple of websites uh, it's something that i'd like to develop and perhaps be a professional writer at some point someday and something i've often wondered that hasn't been talked about very much though i know you're an avid reader is like how much of the time when, when you sit down in your daily program and your your ri- daily ritual and you're getting things done at the desk, do you feel like you're not working if you're reading? I just have to ask in passing.
2: I do actually. I mean, that's a, that's a really great question. Uh, I do feel like I'm not working and I, I often have to remind myself that no, this counts as work. I'm, you know, a lot of times I, I'm reading so many books right, right now I'm reading Creativity Inc., which is super, super great. It doesn't feel like work. Like I have to remind myself, no, this counts. Like, yeah, this is a really great book. I'm interested and I'm enjoying it. Like I have to remind myself, this is part of my responsibility as a writer is, is to be a reader. And I kind of like fell into writing and reading like later in life. I never was a, a reader even. And when I was, it was usually for you know nonfiction. And I, I got to study, I got to read this or whatever. And I didn't read, I don't think I read a a fiction novel. Everyone's going to make fun of me for this. I didn't read a fiction novel until I was 24, I think was the first fiction novel I read. And it, it embarrassing story. So it was, well, not really embarrassing, whatever. I can read whatever I want. But it was uh, Rainbow Six by Tom Clancy. Like, that's the first novel I ever read, <laughs> or at least I ever remember reading and you know, growing up, I was I was a, I got a huge comic book collection. I think any teenage boy does. That'll spur a lot of the creative juices over the years. Oh, for sure. So actually, my cousin and I tried to start our own little comic book company when we were like twelve. Hmm. It was like one afternoon. You know, we're hanging out during the summer. Today's activity is we're going to start a comic book company. Didn't go anywhere, but whatever. But I never read a novel. Yeah, you know, I'm 33 now, and I've I've fallen into now. I love to read. And I love to write. I still do read a lot of nonfiction, mostly. It's it's part of the job you got to. Like, you got to find ideas somewhere else other than just in your own head. Mm. And you got to find inspiration. And you just need other people's perspectives, other people's ideas. And reading books and this long-form, thoughtful stuff that's been edited, that's had so much attention put into it is. it's just going to make you a better writer. You're going to pick up. You know, when I read Seth Godin versus James Altucher versus somebody else, you know, uh, whomever, you know, Tom Clancy or whatever, like all these different authors, they all have a different voice, a different style. And if I get really into like one particular author for a while, I start to kind of sound like that person. And then I come over here, I'm reading this other person. I kind of start to sound like this person. And so it's just so clear how much reading is going to impact your writing and your voice, your style, your topics, reading stuff that is both in line with what you care about and also is totally not in line with what you care about. So you can kind of bring these two together and meld them and, and then it just all kind of like falls out onto the
1: page. Has Jack Ryan written an app review for you
2: yet? <laughs> yeah, best,
0: uh, best CIA spy submarine app. Something, something, something. Yeah, yeah that would be an awesome melding. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed with my habits that I've taken it to the next level just recently because I've been a huge Instapaper user. So I try to do a lot of my reading on the go. I try to squeeze it in during the break times, the down times, when I'm just hanging out, when I need to relax my mind, Mm -hmm. because as a graphic designer, I'm always in Photoshop or I'm always in illustrator. And it kills me sometimes because I think of a great idea while I'm listening to a podcast and I want to write it down or I want to write a blog post about it. And then when the idea or when the right time comes along that I want to sit down and write it, I feel like, you know, I really should also turn some of my attention to. To my reading and where do I prioritize? Should I prioritize the writing ahead of the reading or vice versa? Because I, I value both of them so so much. I've often wondered what should I prioritize? And sometimes it's just that you pick something one or the other.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Considering though, not just the amount of writing and reading you do, you do it with a lot of interesting gear. And this is one of the things I especially appreciate about your work is that you've been dabbling with the analog tools over the years, you still use tried and true printed paper. I believe you probably read a good number of your books in printed form, right? You're not just, you know, gathering all the eBooks all the time.
2: You know, I go back and forth. Um, I was, I, I
0: bought a Kindle when the new Kindle touch came out, I think like 2012 or something like that. But you haven't talked a lot about Kindles in a while. So I kind of took the hint that maybe that you weren't the biggest fan of ebook reading.
2: Really? I am both. Um, it's kind of interesting, like okay, whatever. So I'll just bunny trail, right? I mean, we're on a podcast, podcasts are for bunny trails, exactly. I've got a Kindle Voyage. It's actually right here. I'm reading creativity and got my Kindle Voyage, so I took it with me to San Francisco for WWDC. It's you know nice on the airplane because it's light and it's one less thing to carry on the plane. Right, one less thing to carry. Yeah, it's it's lighter than a uh, paperback book, thinner than a paperback book, and then it's got the you know the backlit display. So the book I'm reading right now is on the Kindle, but I so I just finished this thing called the focus course, right? And which we'll probably talk about later on the show. Oh yeah. It's in the show notes. So I started kind of the, the, the story of it is I started writing it about a year ago. It's June, 2015 right now. I started writing it July, 2014. So it's been a year and I spent like July, August, September, October, November, December. I wrote the first draft of a book. It was called the power of focus life. And so I wrote this book And then I was like, okay, this was everything I had. So just kind of like, blah, like all my thoughts on living with diligence, time management, balancing work and and life and and creative pursuits, doing our best creative work, distractions, like push notifications on your phone, all this stuff, you know, kind of floating around in my head. So I put everything down. It was like 25,000 words. And this was like my first draft. I was like, okay, this is what Sean Blanc had to say about this stuff. Now I need to go find out what the rest of the world thinks about this because I know that there are really really smart people smarter than I who have done this stuff. So I was like, okay, now I'm going to read all the, the the time management books, the productivity books, the the GTD stuff. So I bought like I think 55 or 60 books on these topics.
0: So for a while, you spent more
2: time reading than writing. Apparently, I was spending hours and hours and hours a day. So yeah, so January for me, January February, March were like I was reading incessantly, and I bought. All these books, and I just bought them cheap on Amazon for you know, like you can get them for like a dollar, and then it's like they're like one penny, and then it's three ninety nine shipping, right? <laughs> on all these the, the used books, yeah. So literally, like the whole top shelf of my bookshelf in my office I had to clear it out, and now it's just all these books on creativity, like some of Mihai uh, Cheek sent Mihai Lee books, like Finding Flow and, and Creating Flow, uh, some John A. Cove stuff. Richard Foster, Zig Ziglar stuff, like just some amazing, amazing stuff. El Luna, like Seth Godin, they just write inspiring stuff. So I got all these books by all these people. And I was going through the the, the hardback versions or the paperback versions. And for me, I don't know if you guys know this, but it's like, you read something, like, oh, that's really good. So you highlight it. And then like two months later, I think it was in this book. And I remember it was like on the left-hand side, two thirds of the way down, <laughs> right? Like, so you remember visually where, that quote was. Yeah. Then I could just skim right to it, or I could like put in uh, sticky notes. They're just for me, like having the tangible book there. It was far more effective and faster for me to read the the physical copy of it because I could I could flip through. You could see two whole spreads at a time. So you go, okay, I'm gonna skim this section. Okay, I'm gonna read this section. This section looks really important to what I'm trying to build right now. All my research I did with all these hardback books. I literally spent like a thousand dollars on books. I bought so much stuff. And it was way, way, way easier for me to kind of ingest all that information, go through it, highlight it, make notes, make marks, put bookmarks in there, sticky notes, all this stuff to kind of, whatever, like synthesize it, I guess, so to speak. And, and kind of, it turned into, help me to build the focus course. Whereas with the ebook, it's like on your Kindle, all you see is just what's right there on the screen at the time. And there's no context to where you are in the, the, in the book. How many pages are on my left hand side? How many pages are on my right hand side? Where am I in the book? Huh, yeah. So there's no context. And if you change the font size, then all of a sudden the highlight that you had that was at the bottom of that one page, now it's in the middle or it's at the top because you changed the the font size. And so now the you know the alignment is all different if you're if you go back or forward a few pages, whatever. So I'm finding that for like the researching, I really want to get this, I want to understand it, I want to know it. The hardback book is great. Or the oh. paperback, whereas I want to enjoy this. I mean, having fun. I'm reading it. It's cool. It's this is just for me and just to to absorb, but not necessarily to to do anything with. Then then the Kindle is is great with that regard. So I'm I'm kind of a fan of both.
1: Like you're talking about with synthesizing all that data. Oftentimes you have to you have to lay down several books, put multiple fingers in multiple bookmark spots, and you just can't do that with a Kindle. Yes, you can't just flip back and forth really fast and reference another book to try to connect dots with the thoughts and, and concepts.
0: Oh, so true. Yeah, but we'll be able to do that now with, you know, split view apps on our iPad, though, right? We can flip back and forth, right? Between two books, of course. I don't,
1: I don't know. Yeah, but you can't just jerk one finger and <laughs> flop over, a, a you know, a hundred pages to wherever your right <laughs> index finger was. Yeah, yeah.
2: No, it's it's so true, yeah, because you've got, you know, the, the two sections from this book number one, and you got one section of book number two, and then another section of book number three, and you're like, okay, these are all go together for the one point that I'm trying to make. I want to see them all at once and I want to be able to go back and forth and, and, you know, pull quotes from these people. And that's exactly, exactly right.
0: Well, and I'm just being facetious about the idea of the split view and the iPad. I know it's going to be like two apps up at the same time at this point. So yeah. I guess the most cumbersome way to go about it would be to have iBooks up on one panel and have Kindle up on another. But yeah, n- nobody wants to do that.
1: Seriously. The digital solution for this is found in Minority Report. We, we need a wall <laughs> with a, a tactile response. We can throw books up on the wall, reference everything. That's, that's the way that we can s- solve this digitally.
0: Well, yeah, our friend Jonathan Sampson over at Microsoft must be working on that right now. You know, that's what they uh, they showed off with. Uh, what was it, the Project Oculus? Anyway, oh yeah, that's another yeah. podcast sean back to what you're getting at at the heart of what you're describing is just um, something that has been a running theme for seanblanc.net and your various properties or endeavors is this idea that you delight in the details but i don't think you meant it to just be the delight in the products you create but also in like your workflows and how you do your job how you take pride in the work you do i have the uh, opportunity the time to read your websites I don't often read every piece, but you know how it goes. I do know how it goes. Yeah, I've been keeping tabs on the developments of your course, and I've I've been impressed with uh, the response for delight in the details. Do you wanted to talk a little bit about the book and like how one thing led into the other for delight in the details led into really where you're at today with the course?
2: Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, that's a it's a it's a really sweet observation. Like delighting in the details. My my wife would. You know, maybe because see, she sees. I mean, I'm like that in everything. <laughs> hey, you know, where do you want to go out for dinner? Well, let's let's get on Yelp. What's the what's the greatest? Oh, you want Chinese food? Okay, what is the greatest Chinese food in Kansas City? <laughs> what, what kind of Chinese food do you want, babe? Okay, well, let's see who has the greatest orange chicken. You know, oh, they're closed right now. Ah, I don't know. if I could, <laughs> You know, I mean, like it's just so this like the obsession wanting the best and really caring. Is I mean it's it's a it's both a strength and a vice um, you know and so it's <laughs> it's it's fun um, uh, so like I said I have this podcast that I do uh, it, it was every single night now I've actually uh, kind of pulled it back to a Monday Wednesday Friday schedule and about two years ago so 2013 uh, I did like this mini series on the show and I, I took five days and usually each day there's a like a different topic and there's usually kind of like an overarching kind of topic. It goes up and down. And sometimes it's it's you know, family or budgeting or productivity or coffee or just having fun or whatever. And so there's this overarching kind of theme with each day kind of has its own whatever I'm going to talk about is is interesting that day. This this time I took five days at Monday through Friday. I was like, I'm going to do a mini series where each day is is deeply connected to the others. And it was a very focused, you know, little mini-series. And it was all about I can't remember exactly what I called it but it was something like the little details in design or something like that delightful design details or something like that.
0: Right the title the title did not come before the idea. No no the concept was there.
2: Right exactly and, and you know the title of course is you know the devils in the details and so I, it's kind of a spin off that of delight is in the details. <laughs> and so it started as this five part little podcast mini series and I got a lot of really positive feedback from all the members who listened to the show. Hey I I make money doing this stuff. maybe I could just you know re-record these uh, episodes and kind of polish them up a little bit. I, I, it'd be a podcast mini series that I could sell for a couple bucks and maybe people would want to buy it to keep because I make my living, you know, making stuff for people and putting it out there. So I transcribed all the episodes and, and then I had like basically these five chapters and then I'm like tweaking them and editing them. And then I was like, oh, I want to add this other section and da, 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 da. and pretty soon it had grown into like this. I think it was like nine or 10 chapters, quote unquote chapters that I was going to do. And I was like, well, this is practically a book. I should just make it a book and then well, I guess I'll have be an audio book too, because it was gonna be a podcast main series, now it'll be an audiobook. And then I was like, Well, I should I was gonna do a podcast, I was gonna interview some people, well I'll just interview them and then they'll be like extra. And so the whole thing just kinda like I don't know if you ever have this happen, but it starts something very, very simple. It just grows, right? And it turns into something major. Yeah. So uh so that's kind of what happened to me. The idea just ended up taking over itself and uh, ended up with this this product, this, you know, delight is in the details. And so an audio book, an ebook, the interview series, I got about 10 interviews.
0: It was a bestseller at seanblanc.net.
2: It was, it was the number one book sale, top of the charts for two years running. Mm. That was a lot of fun. I relaunched it again. I did like a 2.0 update a year later, which was last summer. You know, that led to working on the focus course, another year after that and uh, getting ready to launch the focus course. So I don't know if the the two led into each other other than like delight is in the details kind of gave me the confidence to be able to build something that was a lot of components, a lot of work, make an amazing user experience, make a product that I was proud of, put it out there and and charge a reasonable amount of money
0: for it. And the reason this flows into the, you know, the next thought I had, I've been thinking about this for a while now something i've observed about your content and your websites like tools and toys is where you have you and your other writers you know contributing write up good reviews and recommendations for different kinds of tools music albums movies occasionally maybe but y'all have made recommendations based off of something you alluded to a minute ago that you're looking for the best you're not looking to review just anything that comes down the pike You don't have the time to review every notes app for iOS. You'll take the time to review the best notes app for your other website, the sweet setup. Mm -hmm. And so while you're making recommendations on tools and toys, you create the special spring and summer release where you talk about everything you need on the practical spectrum to grill at home and make really great food and, you know, do that for the family and friends. And I've been impressed that we don't see enough of this on the internet where people are making recommendations for the best approach. And um, I think that at the heart of it, this is what the world wants. This is what the world needs. But we get distracted, bogged down by all the, the, the internet's distractions where people are talking about the problems, the issues of the day, things that came out subpar, the glitches, the shortcomings of the latest products that they invested in. It's, it's bringing you down. It's, it's really rough when you you're just trying to, uh, you know, sort through all the issues of the day. Which ones do I want to tackle? Which ones do I want to solve? And how do I want to contribute to the world and be productive today? It seems very difficult to do that when you look at your Twitter stream or if you look at your latest RSS feeds. I come across things from seanblanc.net and the suite setup and tools and toys. I'm not a jack of all trades and maybe I'm not a grill master. Maybe I'm I'm not the guy who's interested in all the resources y'all have at this time. I still find it that it's always refreshing to see you're, you're concentrating on not just uh, delighting in the details, but also the bigger picture that you're trying to bring to people, your top recommendations, and you're looking for quality and craftsmanship you have focused in on this, thinking about what, what do I want to contribute to the culture?
2: I think, I think you put it really well, like just kind of caring for you know, quality, caring for the craftsmanship and stuff like that. You know, I, When I started writing writing my website full time back in 2011, it, it kind of was this decision of necessity where I was like, you know what? I'm just one person. And this was four years ago when the internet was quote unquote slower than it is now. Uh, you know, I mean, it's even faster. It's even crazier, right? It's even noisier than ever. Oh, yeah. Four years ago, you know, I'm starting the, the site and why well, I, I, I've been doing it on the side, but here was like doing it for a living now. And I was like, okay, I've got eight hours every single day to devote to this website. Just the, the options were, you know, could be paralyzing of like, wow, I could write about anything I want. I can read and research anything I want. I can link to any cool thing that I want. There's so much, what is it going to be? What am I going to do? And so I kind of had to quickly say, Hey, you know, I can't, I just can't keep up with the speed of the internet. I'm not going to publish at the speed of the internet. So that kind of became like this, this, this own you know, this thing that I had to, to settle for myself, all the guys that, that work with me with the other sites, part-time contributors. So, so most of them have other jobs that they do as well. And just not wanting to, uh, push that same expectation on any of, of them that goes, you know what, if something cool happens today and we're busy because we're taking our kids to the park or, you know, you've got some other plans or whatever it is, like, don't feel this pressure to just drop everything and hurry up and report. Like we are not a breaking news site. None of our sites are breaking news sites. Everything in life is trying to, to get me to speed up. And so I don't want to have my own expectations that are also forcing that, you know, on me to, to try to speed up, to, to do faster, to drop things. And, oh, you know what? Hey, I'm, I'm right in the middle of dinner, but I got to go, you know, retweet this real faster. I got to go work or whatever. Um, and just for us to publish when we're ready to publish and to, to focus on doing it right. The first time, one of the things we publish is, uh, you know, they're, they're evergreen articles where, you know, it goes up there and it's, It's relevant in an hour from now and it's, it's relevant in like a month or two or three or or six or nine months from now even.
0: Right. That's what we really want. Like, I think people don't take the time to think through these things unless they are the creative types. But at some point you start to ask the question, would I rather my content be timeless or timely? And then you have to recognize that at times you can make whatever it is, the book, you know, the articles, the, the thought pieces that are both uh, timely and timeless. And it's not very often you hit the mark where you produce something that you just travel through the archives. And for the most part, everything within, say, the, the sweet setups, articles are timely and timeless. So day one, they're relevant. They're also relevant a week later. They're also relevant three months later. That's something to chew on that I think we, we want more of on the Internet. Everything is so ephemeral on Facebook and Twitter and, you know, Tumblr. You know, we have all these people that realize that they they have the creative spark too, but they're using it to send out 140 character tweets or 15 second Instagram videos and not realizing like you're just producing in sort of like baby's milk, you know, 2% milk version of you know creative information and content give us a rich stake version of you know a creative thought piece can can you really sink your teeth into something and flesh it out focus long enough to give us something that's rich and useful so that you can really better people around you and that that excites me like that's what i'm hoping more people are inspired to do from looking at these kinds of resources like delights in the details and the focus course
2: yeah absolutely i think it's, it's.
0: it's really hard work to, to to put something out there that is thoughtful. It is, yeah, it really is. It because it goes against all of our our grain with our like. Our, I mean, I don't believe in you know the idea that we have a monkey brain and then a, a higher evolved human brain. But it, you know, metaphorically speaking, the monkey brain inside of us wants to shrug everything off today and procrastinate and just be silly and accept every coming passing distraction. Like you were talking to a couple of weeks ago, you did a, an article, uh, I don't know if we'd call it an article, but you shared some of your notes concerning the Apple Watch. You pointed out that uh, you were not a big believer in the the product for sure until you'd used it from day to day. And then what conclusion did you draw?
2: It was uh, just smart enough.
0: Yeah, but it was smart enough to alleviate some of the pain points you had with other technologies so that you could focus better. And just get things done in passing,
2: right? And I don't know if you guys ever have this uh, this thing where it's like, um, you know, you pull out your phone to see what time it is, and then you don't even look at the time. Like, there's just this instinctive. I'm just going to unlock my phone, it, you know, before you've even seen what time it was. It's just this habit, and then by the time then you're staring at your home screen, and it's like, oh well, what's happening on Twitter? Yeah, yeah. And so it's like I go to check my phone, and the next thing I know, like, wait, I just I just spent 15 minutes on Twitter. I just wanted to, I don't, I don't even know what time it is. I like the whole point was just to see what time I don't even know what time it is. So I, I like the idea of the, you know, I mean, I, I used to wear a regular wristwatch uh, for years so that I could just check the time on my wrist mm. instead of having to pull out my phone. You know, I was, I was a little interested, like, Hey, how's Apple got watch going to work out? Of course I got it. Cause I'm an Apple nerd and I write about this stuff. I want to be able to test the apps and, and be a part of that. But also just from a personal standpoint, is the Apple watch going to like help me? Is it going to affect me? In a positive way, is it going to be more distracting, less distracting? Mm. And uh, I don't know. I've had it for maybe a month now. I'm not, I can't remember exactly. It's been, it's been awesome because I, the most important notifications show up on my wrist and I don't, I don't have to pull my phone out. You know, I pull my phone out far less frequently than I used to. And then my kids see me using the phone less, which I think is already, I mean, who knows what what things they're going to be like. I got a a three-year-old son and a a -a one-and-a-half-year-old son. And so it's just like, who knows what it's going to be like for them when they're
0: in five years from now, 10 years from now. Hmm, that's an interesting point. Are, are you really concerned that your children pick up on your habits from day to day? Do you think? Oh, I'm yeah? totally concerned with that. Absolutely.
2: Huh. Absolutely. Because they're going to they're gonna learn what I model. And if, you know, if daddy is on the phone all the time, they just assume, like, they don't know, but they just assume, oh, that's just normal. Like, like you just stare at your phone forever. Okay. When they get bigger, they're going to, that behavior is just going to be taught to them. I don't want that to be taught for them. Like, it's already, you know, I call it the inbox addiction. Like, there's already such a a pull to want to know what's happening in my email, what's happening on Twitter, what's happening on Facebook and Pinterest and Instagram and all this stuff. And then just repeat and cycle through over and over and over for an hour or two or three, whatever. And, you know, I mean, you hear these stories of like people that forget to go pick up their kids because they were on Facebook and they didn't realize what time it was. And it's like an hour after school's over and the kids just at school waiting. You know, I mean, obviously that's an extreme case, but, like, there's this pull where you just lose yourself checking your your feeds. Like, you're just consuming, 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 and there's no, like, there's no creative thought. There's, like, you were saying, Joe, like, needing to take time away to just let your mind rest and break. And, like, we need that that space, like, that margin for our thoughts and for our mind to just be at peace. And it's, like, we have to choose to be bored that's (laughs) never happened in the history of anything where like boredom was a was was a choice you know it used to be like you're at the dentist's office or you're gonna read this stupid magazine you're just gonna sit here and it's like i I think i'll probably just sit here and it was no big deal like that was normal that was natural yes now it's like you go to the dentist's office and everyone's down at their phone and i mean it was fun like yesterday i was at the i had to go in for a checkup and i was reading a book on my phone i'm reading i was reading the the creativity inc book on the kindle app on my phone And so, I mean, not to just judge anyone who's ever looking at their phone is obviously wasting their time, but I think a lot of us are usually checking Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or something like that. And I just don't want my kids to grow up with that, thinking that that's normal. They're already going to have enough challenge as it is in 10 years from now. I mean, just looking at how far we've come in the past 10 years, how much more you know, I mean, it's only accelerating. Mm. And so I want to give them some good habits to be a foundation for them as they grow up and then digital age.
0: Yeah. being brutally honest, I, I thought about this a few months ago. I looked back on the last 10 years since I got married, how life has changed, how the smartphones became a part of my life. Uh, something I carry in my pocket, uh, you know, and one thing leading to the other, eventually getting into iPads and being, you know, just great tools, something I use for a lot of reading and research and actually enabling me to spend a little bit more time with the family and also sharing them with the kids. So they're picking up new learning skills, the ability to create things that I only dreamed of when I was five and six years old. And, but to hear they're able to do this, Uh, day in and day out things that i had to use my imagination to do when i was their age and then i began to think about it and i'm like you know there's a pro and con here they have this chance that they can use something that's already fabricated for them on the ipad and so it's just right there they can sit down and do these things it's actually quite liberating but then it's also, it's inhibiting their imagination. I want that personal development in their childhood where they'll exercise more of the imagination because it helps them to make better decisions. It helps them to think through uh, life choices in small ways. You got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. I want my son to learn to pick out his his clothes for today and to have some sense of you know what goes together <laughs> so that he's prepared for school when the fall comes. But is he going to learn that life skill? Now or later, or you know, do I just let him figure it out on his own? And you know, you have all these decisions to make as a parent. To be brutally honest, I realized that I haven't been bored, Sean, in about ten years. Right. Until it was just a couple of months ago, I had an experience where I was waiting for something. As a personal choice, I wasn't going to look at my watch or phone or something else, and I just allowed for some time to pass by, and. It occurred to me, oh, in my innermost being, I remember this experience and it's been a long time. (laughs) This is boredom. I have it again. I feel it now. It, It was jarring because that was something like a, you know, like a loneliness, which is something that everybody encounters. And I think that for a variety of different reasons, depending on, you know, your personality and what you're looking for in life after I got married. I practically never experienced a moment where I felt lonely again, just, you know, maybe there's a day of the week that you you don't see the wife, you don't see the family very much. And then you experience loneliness again. It's like, oh yeah, I remember this. I associated this with being a teenager. I thought that this is what being a teenager felt like No, being lonely is what this felt like. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah. um, Now I want to see how you addressed these issues. You know, you've come up with all this awesome research. You've been addressing the distractions with the focus course and something I appreciate again, going back to your thoughtfulness is that rather than uh, shifting the blame on the tools on the internet, shifting the blame to Twitter itself and how the platform works you're suggesting that the the people that want to be effective, that want to make a difference, will want to find satisfaction in their work, that they think about what they are doing, how they're processing information, where they're directing their attention. Absolutely, it's really interesting.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I mean, I think that goes for for most things. Like, you can complain about the problem, or you can take ownership of it and 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 do something about it. Yeah, I think that you can see a lot of clear lines. Like, even in in your own life, in my own life, where I go. Okay, these are the times where I just complained about it and allowed it to keep happening. And these are the times that I said, you know what, I'm going to just take ownership of this and do something about it, whether it was my fault or not. Like, so what? Like, hey, you know what? I want to spend less time on Twitter. That doesn't mean Twitter's the enemy. That means I just need some more self-control. Like, that's, that's you know, and just going to take ownership over it. And there's this quote I love, guy Joshua Blankenship. He says, don't complain about what you permit. And so it's either you're going to allow it to just persist in your life or do something about it. But instead of don't, you know, don't just allow it to persist and then complain about it at the same time. Like that's just, you're just wasting everybody's time
0: if you're going to be like that. Right. So Sean, uh, tell me a little bit more about the focus course and what you've brought to the world. This is so interesting. I've been impressed by your strategy, your plan to introduce it with beta testers. You've talked a lot about it on your website, describing what we should expect. I feel like you gave us like a teaser trailer you made something really special of the Focus Course. Do you feel like this is your magnum opus? Uh, what would you say about it?
2: I don't know. I'm definitely ex- extremely proud of it. It was so much work. So, like I mentioned earlier in the show, right? So I was I wrote this this book, The Power of Focus Life, and so I'm going through all these these books, like the Stephen Covey stuff and the Zig Ziglar stuff and and Tony Robbins. I mean, some of like the like the papas of get your your stuff together kind of guys from, you know, 30 years ago and 20 years ago. And, and you got Seth Godin, who's just such a champion of like, you know, the system is broken and and you can do better art and stuff like that, right? So just some of these, like some of my heroes, uh, and El Luna wrote this amazing book called The Crossroads of Should and Must. Uh, just some really, really great stuff. So I'm going through all these books. I'm just devouring them. And they're so great. Like is my job, basically, to be reading these books and implement them. And so I go through them. I'm, I'm highlighting it. And then I just like put it on the shelf and I was like, okay, that was a cool book. And okay, what's the next one? It just kind of struck me. This is exactly what everyone else is going to do with my book. They're going to read it. (laughs) They're going to highlight it. Maybe they'll tweet a few things about it. And then they're just going to go on with their day. Right, right. You know, maybe they'll pull an idea from it. You know, maybe that would be cool. They'll pull an idea, but maybe not. And, And, you know, or maybe they'll just buy and do nothing with it. And I was like, I... That's not what the world needs right now. That's not what I want this to be. I want this to be something that's truly impactful. I mean, this is based on stuff I learned when I was like 20 and 21. I'm 33 now, so it's been over a decade. And they're based on stuff that's like 30 and 40 and 50 years old that has just been tried and true. And it seems like every generation, there's like somebody who picks up this this banner. Hey, you know, here's how to actually have a balanced work life and 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 be a good person. And and have awesome loving relationships, care about other people, be kind, be serve you know serve others, but also like totally kick butt in the office and do incredible work, and and you can have both, and actually you need both to have both. Like if if you're a terrible dad, like that's going to affect your work life because you're going to feel this tension and this anxiety and this frustration. Or if you're overworking at work trying to do amazing stuff, that's going to affect your home life. And so you actually want to have balance in both because the two feed each other, and so. I was like, my book is upside down. It's it's all the ideas, it's all the theory, and then all the the stuff of what to do about it is kind of hidden underneath. And for me, like I am a kinetic learner. I learn best by doing. You know, let me figure it out. I'm gonna I want to start something. Let me get moving. And then once I'm once I'm going, I'm like, oh, this is what it's like. And now I can I can figure out the direction I want to go. I literally just kind of ripped everything apart and rewrote everything from scratch. And that was what the focus course was. And so the original. Uh, draft of my book was, was 23,000 words. And then the focus course uh, comes in at about 55,000 words. Uh, but instead of it being like a chapter, a bunch of chapters with ideas about time management and doing our best creative work and, and having thriving relationships with our family and our friends and our spouses and personal integrity and overcoming distractions, like all this stuff. Instead, what it is, is it starts out like every single day has like an action. There's like an assignment that you do. And it says, "Okay, here, do this, and here's why." And the you know the first week, it's really simple stuff. It's a lot of fun. Here's the the one or two bullet points for why this is you know why in the world? Because some of it's like really weird. Like the very first day is set out your clothes for tomorrow. It's like, wait, really?
0: Like that? But that's really brilliant. That's really important because you're teaching people to build important habits one little small step at a time.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Right. You can't
0: you can't jump a pyramid but you can climb up on the first stone of the pyramid one day at a time.
2: Exactly. And and we read that all day long and we fave those tweets and we retweet them and we put them on our cork boards in our office, whatever, but it's like, we don't do it. Like we actually despise the small steps. Like I want to, okay, you know what? If I'm going to, if I want to get in shape, I'm going hundred miles an hour today. I'm going to go spend $500 on gym clothes and Bluetooth earbuds. (laughs) I'm going to download the best. I'm going to get the best workout playlist that I can on my iPhone, on my Spotify, and I'm going to go get my gym membership and I'm going to go hire a personal trainer.
0: You're describing January 2nd, 2015.
2: Exactly. Right. And what happens on January 5th, right? Everyone's gone. Like they're, 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 they're not there anymore. You cannot sustain that much change that quickly. You just can't like everything in your being, Will resist it, but if you start slowly with this little foundation of, of a little bit of change over time, sustained, like then you build this momentum. So the entire course is is, is it's it's that principle, and then it's applied. All the work's done for you because if you're like me, you just obsess over this stuff and you never actually get started because all you're doing is thinking about what what habit do I want to implement first, or what change do I want to do first, or what do I want to learn about first, and I just go forget all that, just. Just do the course. Just just day one, just do this one little thing. Here's why. And then if you want to know more, I've got like every single day has, there's thousands of words that, you know, it's, it's 40 days long, 55,000 words. So there is a lot of scientific, like there's study, there's quotes, there's stories, all this stuff that supports it. But the, instead of it being all the ideas, all the, the theory, and then you've got to read it and and decide for yourself how it's, how you want to implement it, like what change you want to do and then figuring it out on your own. It's, it's backwards from that. I say here, do this. And here's why. And so you go, oh, okay, I'll do that. And then, then I'll, I'll okay. It's, it's hand holding, but it's fun. It's cool. It's like the, the feedback I've gotten. So, um, it's like you said, like the, the pilot, I had a pilot version of it. I said, Hey, okay, I'm working on this thing. Do you want to do the the rough draft of the focus course? And so I had about 90 people sign up for that. they, pushed through. We did it in 40 days. I sent out an email to that list, to that group of 90 folks every single day for 40 days in a row. And that was the first draft of the focus course. And then I got all of their feedback, what they hated about it, what they loved about it, what worked, what, what was confusing, what was amazing. And then I rolled that together, got a final version of the course, shared that with a, a, a smaller group of people, got their feedback on it, did a final version of that. Uh, and then we built this amazing website, phenomenal website. Thank you. Yeah, it looks so great. Uh, Pat Dryberg did all the design, and he is just a like a magician.
0: I'm a huge fan of Pat. Absolutely incredible. He's done good work. And he's
2: so fun to work with. Like he's just, I'm like, I am that client from hell. You know, the, the, <laughs> whatever the the client from hell jokes. I'm like, I am being that guy. But Pat is so like gracious. Like he doesn't even. He's like, oh, whatever. You're fine. So, anyways, so the website's amazing. So you can go through like on your iPhone. Like a third of the people plus did the course on their iPhone. And so I was like, we got to have this amazing website. And so it tracks your progress as you go through the course. Do each day. At the bottom, there's a little button. You click it that says, I did this. Because a lot of people are like, a lot of people said it was too much to do in 40 days. They couldn't keep up or they had to like take a break or they were going on vacation. What am I to do? So the website tracks your progress. You click a little button that says, Hey, I did today's lesson. Um, so then that persists. And so you can go through at your own pace. I know some people they're doing one day each week, like the you know, Sunday, I do the focus course because they want to like really dive in and and, and chew each day, like really, uh, you know, read through it, meditate on it, journal about it and stuff like that. And you can do it in like 15 to 30 minutes, but some people want to spend longer than that. And so it's very, very flexible in that regard. And so anyways, that's kind of, I I mean, does that, I feel like I could talk about this stuff forever.
1: Yeah. You encapsulated it. So does the website take the form of a, a web app? Or what, what's the structure of the website once you actually sign up for the focus course?
2: It is. It's sort of like uh, it's sort of like a web app.
0: It's a multimedia sort of experience, right?
2: It really is. Yeah. So you sign up and then you you know land on like there's like a welcome page. There's a bunch of videos as well. It's predominantly text, but then each module you got five modules. So we kind of start with like a foundations one, and then you know meaning and clarity and action and and all this stuff. And so you kind of go through these different modules. And so each module, I got a video that sort of introduces like what's the number one thing like takeaway for this next, you know, X number of days uh, that we're going to hit on. And then you can go through and then I've got uh, like a bunch of bonus stuff at the end. Like I got a lot of specific, you know, Q&A. Hey, I've got, you know, I really like the focus course. I did this or whatever, but okay, I've got like 19 projects that are all interesting to me. Which one should I pick? Like help me figure out which one to pick. And so some of these like specific questions that sort of touch on the topics, but aren't specifically addressed. I've got about 11 like articles that are like video plus an article and that's kind of like a little bonus section over there as well. So yeah, it's, it's sort of like an app, you know, it's all HTML five and CSS stuff, Hmm. a forum as well. We use discourse like the best forum software on the planet yeah, Here we are back to, you know, it's gotta be the best. And it is like discourse is so great. And so it all ties in. Like you got this single login stuff, and, but of course you can download everything. There's a PDF workbook of the course. If you'd rather do that, you can download it. You can print it. You can download all the
0: videos. So whatever. Sean, just, I'm really impressed with the masterful work of the focus course. I intend to take it very shortly. The day that people get this, this podcast is going to be, this will be the 26th. that this goes out, I'm going to be on vacation. And shortly after returning from vacation, it's going to be one of the first investments I make. As it is, I had some objectives at the beginning of the year. I'm about a third of the way through those, but I'd like to be burning more rubber and getting farther along for the year in my projects. I'm sure it's going to be a great source of inspiration. Awesome. Thank you. Where can people find you online? Where would you like them to visit? Where can they buy the focus course?
2: The Okay. It's its own site. Uh, and then, you know, my
0: stuff's all on as Well, <laughs> uh, this completes episode 10.3 of Tectonic. Visit tectonic.fm slash 10-3 for the show notes and the links. If you want to connect with us, we are at tectonic.fm on Twitter and send your feedback via email to hello at tectonic.fm. You want to catch up with me on Twitter? I am underscore Joe Darnell. And Jacob, you are Captain Destructo. That's C-A-P-T-N Destructo. Is that right?
1: Yes, because that's what I am.
0: All right. Of course, because that's what you're doing. You're doing that to the code. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to also help us out, check us out on iTunes. Give us your star rating or leave us a review on iTunes. That'd be great because it helps others to find and discover and appreciate the show. I'm Joe Darnell. Thanks so much for listening to the Tectonic Podcast.